0: Welcome to the latest episode of The Beggar's Cup, your favorite podcast where we discuss science fiction, fantasy, pop culture, whatever else, maybe a little news sometimes as it relates to those topics. I'm your host, author Nick Langan, and we are going to talk about The Batman today, the latest movie. Um, If you weren't around last episode, I gave my recommended essential comic reading for Batman so go ahead and check that out you'll see a lot of those key elements of those seven or eight collections I think I was uh, eight maybe Um, you'll see a lot of those themes and story threads in various Batman movies even if they're not taken word for word or or, uh, exactly so definitely go check out that episode and before we jump into our movie review, got to give a shout out, as always, to our sponsor, Plus Five Charisma, Plus Five Charisma Clothing. Head on over there, get yourself a Barbarian T-shirt, get yourself a Rogue hoodie, the Druid shirt. Uh, lots of designs. Tyler's coming out with new things pretty rapidly. It's uh, an ever-expanding inventory and options. Comfortable, uh, well-fitted clothing and uh, express your nerd side with Plus 5 Charisma. That's plus the number 5 charisma. And it's plus5charisma.com. You can also check out their gaming channel on YouTube, which is Charisma Gaming. Um, Alright, so as promised, last episode I said we were talk about the Batman. Unfortunately, Galen's not with us again. Various scheduling conflicts, but the show must go on. And I think he's pretty much... In agreement with me on this one anyway so I'm sure he won't mind although he'll express his opinion when he's back in the saddle um, The Batman was released this year came out in March I wanna say and stars Robert Pattinson as Batman, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Colin Farrell as the Penguin, Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon, Andy Serkis as Alfred and John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. There's several other little minor parts in the movie, but those are the big ones. And this was heralded as a return to Dark Detective Batman. So, the before Pattinson, obviously, we had Ben Affleck as Batman in Batman v. Superman. Uh, he had a cameo in the first Suicide Squad movie which was probably the highlight of that movie. He had, uh, and then, obviously, both iterations, both the theatrical release and the Snyder Cut versions of the Justice League movie. He was Batman in those as well. And then, as far as I know, he's departed from the role because of all the nonsense going around, uh, swirling around that. So, this was this is a much like the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. This Batman is a standalone, well... There's a sequel announced already, and we'll get to that. But this is a, a separate universe. It's not related to the Justice League ones. It's not related to the Christopher Nolan ones or Michael Keaton. And this was interesting to me because the trailers looked really promising. So I don't stay super up-to-date on everything. I'm not obsessed with stuff. But there are certain things, like Batman, that I liked. And uh, I think it was last year... During the pandemic, DC had like a digital fandom release where they released a bunch of movie trailers, talked about upcoming projects, uh, video games, whatever. And the Batman trailer debuted back there. And I watched it and I thought, okay, this looks really good. It looks like it got the tone right. It looked like it got the, uh, the cinematography like awesome. I didn't hate the casting of Pattinson as Batman like a lot of people did. People always complain when actors are cast in famous roles. It's funny you can go back and find actually videos of of news clips and stuff of people complaining about Michael Keaton in the Tim Burton Batman movies and now a lot of people hold him in very high regard as his portrayal of of Batman and Bruce Wayne so it's kind of I, I ignore a lot of this stuff there's been complaints ever since. And despite his early film record being sort of tied to the Twilight movies, which are hilarious and admittedly not very good <laughs> films, he, um, Pattinson's a talented actor. I mean, he uh, he was in The Lighthouse, which got a lot of critical acclaim, sort of a weird movie. He, uh, he's he been in a lot of sort of strange little things, and he, he is talented. And so I thought, okay, well, people complained about Batman and then, or uh, Ben Affleck as Batman too, and say what you will about Batman v Superman or uh, Justice League, but I think particularly in Batman v Superman, Ben Affleck's Batman stuff is the highlight of, of the film. In fact, I think one of the problems is that It seems to me that Zack Snyder really wanted to make a Batman movie, but uh, sort of had to include Superman because they'd made Man of Steel. And so all the Batman stuff is just really cool and very uh, Frank Miller's The Dark Knight, the sort of old, ruthless, burned-out, cynical Batman hanging on by a thread. And that stuff's all awesome. Uh, Jeremy Irons' Alfred also I enjoyed. But then Superman doesn't really fit exactly into what they're trying to do, so... Uh, anyway, my point is just that the casting I thought was fine. And I didn't get to go see this in theater. Galen and I were going to go see it in theaters a few times, but when you have a bunch of kids, and uh, I'm working on a couple projects that uh, hopefully will be taken off here, and Galen's got a real job. Um, family commitments on it just didn't happen. But they released it really fast on HBO Max. So if you haven't seen it yet and you want to, uh, go ahead and over to check out. The Batman on HBO Max. Um, I will say, right from the get, I'm just going to talk spoilers on this. There doesn't seem, a lot of my complaints, but also a lot of my positive things, it would be hard to discuss without spoilers. So, if you haven't seen the movie yet and you want to see the movie with, uh, with no spoilers, go check it out. Otherwise, you can stay around. So, the basic premise of the film is this is a young Batman. He is maybe in his... Mid early to mid-twenties Bruce Wayne, and he's only been Batman for maybe a year or two. And a series of high-profile killings start taking place with clues left at the scenes. And the killings seem to all be people involved in the Gotham City political scene or... So you've got people involved with the police. You've got journalists. You've got people involved directly in politics. And the killings are brutal. There are clues left at the scene with riddles. Uh, the Riddler is the main antagonist of the film for much of it. And so that's the sort of... That's the, the vague main plot of the film. Um, so You've got Batman working with... I think, lieutenant at this point, James Gordon, played by Jeffrey Wright, and he's kind of the only cop that's vouching for Batman, because he knows what the Batman can do, uh, meanwhile, you also have Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, who is working at the Penguins Club, Colin Farrell plays the Penguin, probably the standout performance, we'll come back to that, but, um, and so she works at the club but she's also maybe tied into the mob in in more ways than than are initially shown and her roommate was her roommate/maybe girlfriend although they never say that is tied up with one of these guys that ends up getting killed and then she goes missing so that's kind of drags catwoman into the picture um we'll start with the we'll start with some positives first The film is beautifully shot. It is They did a really outstanding job with the color and just the the shots themselves. So often, if you're talking about something like the Marvel movies, even the good Marvel movies all pretty much look the same. They all have their standard of color grading and their standard spectrum of, of darks and lights in the shots. And there's not too many Marvel movies that I can think of with shots that really stand out to me. In fact, the only, th- um, in, uh, Avengers infinity war, when, sh- when Thor shows up at the battle of Wakanda with, with his hammer, that's a great shot. But even that is not necessarily a great shot because of framing. It's, it's a great, it's a great shot and moment because of other things. I'm hard-pressed to think in a, in a in a Marvel movie of the MCU of any great shots. This whole movie is a great shot. It perfectly encapsulates Gotham City, the tone of um, the sort of neo-noir setting. And I think the most successful Batman properties, whether they be cartoons, movies, comics... Gotham City should always be a character in and of itself, and that is certainly the case in the Batman. Gotham City feels like Gotham City. It's not quite as, um, maybe like absurdist and Tim Burtony uh, as the Michael Keaton Batman movies, and it's not quite as realistic, say, as the Christian Bale Batman movies, where, where Gotham really just feels like New York, or, uh, yeah, I mean, really, it feels like New York. This feels somewhat grounded, And somewhat realistic. But also... It definitely has a character of its own. Sort of grimy... Mucky city of... Dark shades of grey and black and red. Sometimes orange. All around. You have to ignore the dogs in the background. And... um, So that is definitely a positive. In my view. Also... In addition to Gotham, everything else looks great. I think the batsuit suit looks really good. Pattinson looks good in it. Um, I don't have a problem with the race swapping for Jeffrey Wright as Gordon and Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. I don't know that it was necessary, but it's it, it, okay. Whatever, it doesn't bother me. Gail and I talked about this in our in our talk about adaptation, but the thing about comic adaptations that makes it hard is that a lot of people will say well this isn't true to the comics when they change something for a film or TV and I think it's tricky to, it's tricky to do that sometimes with, with superficial things with comics because there have been so many iterations so many runs so many storylines I mean Batman has been around for decades and decades in various media forms and so things have changed over the years, and the, you know so so minor things like that don't bother me um, as long as the story is good, and they stay true to the characters, which is gonna end up being a problem with the Batman in the adaptation front, but all the actors I think give pretty good performances. Pattinson is this is a young a new Batman, so well, we get to see we get to see him. More as a detective, he's not just a Dark Avenger or, uh, you know, the martial arts master. He is also totally disregarding his life as Bruce Wayne. He doesn't care at all. Entirely focused on Batman, and that is an that's a uh, an interesting character. I wish they'd explored it more. But um, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman is fine. She has decent chemistry with Pattinson. She's fine, I guess, is how I would say. There's nothing extraordinary about her performance. And, again, um, it's hard to not compare to all the other Batman properties. But, you know, for me, Michelle Pfeiffer, I still think of her first when I think of Catwoman. Just because, even though her, her, her performance in that movie is not... Super comic accurate. She just touches on the the character is just so well developed and acted. I feel that for me, that's that's what I always think of first, Um, and then second, the animated series. Uh, We have, let me see. I said Colin Farrell is probably the standout, and that's probably I think that's true in my opinion. Uh, You can't even recognize him, his accent, his makeup, whatever. I'm I'm guessing that they picked Colin Farrell because they plan to do other things and they want a guy to be the penguin that'll be around for a while. He's um he's got a he's got I think probably the majority of the film's humorous moments are, are from him and he's played more as a a straight gangster. He's not like this monstrous freakish creature like uh, say Danny DeVito in Batman Returns. Paul Dano as the Riddler is, is fine as well. I don't he plays him when you finally get to meet the Riddler he plays him like he might be on the spectrum perhaps uh, mixed with some other mental illness he doesn't actually have a ton to do and I think he's he is definitely shafted uh, character wise and writing wise by the film's climax Um, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon I liked he has that likable. He's he's a, a likable actor. He has that likability where, man, um, hey, he, he was good. He, you believe that he'll throw down. Um, he goes with Batman a lot in these, which is nice to see. Instead of the uh, you know the Lego Batman movie joke where, Gordon's like just press the button of the bat signal and that'll solve all the problems. This this Gordon is actively involved, and uh, there are moments that are really kind of almost buddy copish between him and Pattinson, and you can tell that he's. Kind of uncomfortable with the fact that this guy dresses like a freaking bat and beats people with his hands, but he also is desperate for things to be done and justice to be to be done, so that's fine. And um, who else did I miss? Anybody? Oh, John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. He was fine. Uh, usually a comic actor, so interesting to see him in a more serious and somber role. For those of you that aren't super familiar, Carmine Falcone is the Usually the resident crime boss. He features heavily in several of the comic stories that I talked about last week, or uh, yeah, last week. And he was um, <clears throat> in the Christian Bale in Batman Begins. He's the crime boss that's working with Scarecrow, and eventually revealed to be Razagul, who is shipping things into the docks. I can't think of the actor's name off the top of my head, but well known. So the acting is all fine to good, we'll say. I think um, Colin Farrell's performance is really good. I don't think anybody really reaches into great, and I don't know how much of that is them and how much of them is the, of that is the script. Uh, the uh, other positives. The action is, is extremely well done, in my opinion. Well choreographed, and, and mixing in with what I said about cinematography, it is extremely well shot we get several, several longer... Sh- or not even several, I'll say. A lot of the fight scenes have longer shots in them. And so even though they're in these darker environments, because of the lighting and the the color hue that they, they use for the movie, and because they let the camera sort of stay with Batman as he's fighting, you really get to see what's happening, which is, as a martial artist and a, and a film lover and stuff... That's something that I love. I hate the jump cut, quick cut nonsense that a lot of movies show in shaky cam. Especially when we're dealing with a character like Batman, who is an ultimate hand-to-hand fighter and is taking on groups of people. It is unless you're doing it for the sort of thematic reasons that sometimes they do in the Chris, Chris Nolan Batman, where they're trying to make a point of how fast he is and how scary he is to people. You know, I want to see the action. And, I mean, not just for Batman, really. In all my movies, I want to see the action. But there are several really well shot and and framed and choreographed action scenes. Including the first one, which is, was in the trailers with the guys with their faces painted. Where, uh, in the trailer, you see him beat down the one guy and he goes, I am vengeance. Um, that is, is really well shot. It reminded me, I wonder if it was, an homage to, there's a great Korean martial arts... How f- is it Korean? Ah, man, I'll have to look. There's a great um, Asian martial arts film and revenge film called Old Boy, and it's going to bother me now. I'm pretty sure that it's Korean. But that has a couple of really long one-take fight scenes that are outstanding. Um, So, yeah, there are... Lots of good fight scenes. This is not an action movie, though, and I will. Uh, I will make that stipulation that even though there are some really good action sequences, yes, it is a Korean film, Old Boy. Yeah, I knew it. Um, that this I would not consider this an action movie. They're definitely leaning into the crime investigating side of Batman. And this has some serious Seven vibes. The Riddler definitely feels like sort of the Zodiac Killer mixed with, the you know, serial killers and elements of Silence of the Lambs and stuff like that. And uh, I'm fine with that too. I think that if you're going to make the Riddler work in the real world, or at least a more believable fictional world, Jim Carrey... His portrayal is probably not the right choice. So, what are we talking about? We talked about the 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 cinematography, the action, the actors. Um. Oh, and we're talking about actors. I really liked Andy Serkis as Alfred. I wanted more of, of him. He, he he's really only in maybe five or ten minutes of the film, and I thought they did some they they alluded to some interesting things, a slightly different variation of the the relationship. Uh, A different dynamic than, say, Michael Caine and Christian Bale that I thought would be really fun to explore and we really didn't get to see. So, those are all positives, or, you know, in the case of the acting, it's all right. Uh, What about the story itself? The story itself is really good for the first two hours and 15 minutes. And if you didn't know, the movie is almost three hours long. That's just shy of three hours long. So so about the first two-thirds of the movie are really good. There's even moments of well, probably greatness sprinkled in there. And, and then I'm just not sure what happens. So I gave this sort of brief synopsis towards the beginning of this episode. But um, the the basic... This, the spoiler premise is that the Riddler is killing people who are corrupt and were involved in the, and especially were involved in this, these corrupt dealings with Falcone. And so he's targeting corrupt politicians, corrupt police officials, corrupt journalists, because he is trying to, as he says, remove the corruption and, and bring it into the light. No more lies. He, he puts on a lot of them. And that is a really cool and interesting premise because there's there's two things that really in my opinion make batman work and uh there's th- we'll say three things there's three things that really make batman work and make have made his story so enduring over the decades and so popular even compared to other popular comic book characters the first thing is about batman that's cool is that in theory, Batman is possible. Now, realistically, is Batman possible? You know, probably not. I would say you could make some interesting arguments. Um, In some iterations of Batman, he's just too good at everything. So, no, that isn't possible. He's still essentially superhuman in some of those comics. But in other, in other renditions and depictions, it, it does seem to be possible. Um, the biggest hurdle for a lot of people would be the the time for the trading and the money. But but if you had those things, would it be possible? Um, the Babylon Bee, rec- I don't know how recently, but they interviewed Elon Musk a while back, and they were like, "Why haven't you become Batman yet? Because you're so rich, and you know, you're a smart guy, you're a genius, and and that I think is the first appeal of why people like Batman. It is appealing to see a character just driven enough and disciplined enough to bring themselves to the peak of performance. And then, in many stories, to be able to, through sheer force of will and their training and their preparation, their intellects, be able to hang and go toe-to-toe with demigods and Superman, right? So that's the first thing that makes Batman appealing to people and work. The second thing is that... His motivation is generally pure. So, several episodes ago, I talked about the beginnings of my character creation process. And I said how I viewed a lot of characters, they have to have sort of one defining driving characteristic. And it's usually boiled down very simply. There can be other levels of that and other interweaving things that make them even more interesting. But they need a clear and defined motivation. Spider-Man's motivation is guilt. He's guilty, and that's what propels him to do what he does because of the death of Uncle Ben. With great power comes great responsibility, right? Batman's driving motivation is actually... I wouldn't quite call it revenge, but it's been put put before that he, his goal is that no no kid is going to have to watch their parents die in an alley again the way that he did and so there is an element of of revenge or, or retribution usually in most variations of the story not to the ex- extent of the punisher he doesn't generally just gun down people although in the tim burton batman movies he does he just <laughs> he just ice's thugs left and right but and and ben affleck's batman was pretty liberal with keeping people alive um but so I'm not sure exactly what, 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 if you could boil that into one word, I think vengeance is, uh, maybe it, I mean, maybe you could argue it's justice. Again, this fluctuates, but, but that, that basic driving desire is that this horrible thing happened to him and he's going to make sure that as if it's in his power, it will not happen to another kid and he, and, and to clean up the city, right? So that's, again, we can get behind that. there's There's this idea, I think, sometimes in storytelling that things have to be complicated and intricate, and sometimes that can be really cool. But sometimes something like John Wick comes along, and it's a very simple, very streamlined premise, but it's just so well executed that it's successful. And I think the best Batman stories are often like that. Not necessarily with the story, but with Batman. You know, the story can be a mystery where he's investigating and everything, but Batman's innovation is generally clear. And then the third thing that usually, I think, makes people attracted to Batman and has made him so enduring is the rogues gallery of villains and the fact that they are often reflections of him, that he could be the flip side of the same coin with Batman. So, for example, in Batman Returns, since I've talked about it already, he shares a lot of similarities with Selina Kyle as Catwoman and Cobblepot and The Penguin, and... Even though those those movies are not maybe the most comic accurate, they get that right. They get the theme right. You know, uh, there's a great line in that where uh, Danny DeVito as the Penguin says to him, "You're just jealous because I'm a real freak and you have to wear a mask." And Batman says, "You might be right." Um, you know, Catwoman is this sort of dark flip side of him, where they're they're both sort of. They're both these agents of vengeance in that movie, but he is calculated, controlled. He's trying to clean up the city as a whole, and she's just seeking personal revenge, but also causing chaos and just unhinged. And I think that in in, the, in those renditions of those characters, you know, he really sees that that could be him. That's why they have this powerful connection that they see each other in each other, or they see themselves in each other, rather. And so those are the three things And I think that the Batman fails to answer two out of three of those things. So, you have the element. It's fairly believable. The action's believable. He's a guy in a suit. I love the Batmobile in this version. It's just a souped-up muscle car that just looks kind of cobbled together. That's pretty cool. His fighting style in this is, is, sure, it's believable. Um... He's, he's got bulletproof armor, so that certainly adds the suspension of disbelief. Okay, yeah, he can get shot, and it's okay. Uh, until the climax of the film, again, we'll get to that, I keep saying. And I love that he just sort of wades into a lot of these early fights of the movie, and he's just taking punches, and you really get the sense that he he could be not, but he just he's just a rage monster, and he doesn't care. But it fails to answer or to clearly define his motivation. And it's not... Batman is not a symbol of hope or an aspiration in the same way that somebody like Superman is. Superman wears bright colors. He's always doing various things. He doesn't just stop crimes. He also stops natural disasters. He deals with intergalactic threats, but he's also the kind of guy that will uh, sit down. Um, There's, uh, I forget what the... Uh, Run was years and years ago. It was around the same time as Batman Hush. There's a Superman line also by Jeff Loeb, I want to say, or Jim Lee. Maybe it was Jim Lee. And there's a lot of that where Superman is is talking to a priest and they're having these philosophical conversations. That's Superman. That's not Batman. Batman helps people, but Batman is is more a symbol of fear. You know the 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 whole premise. I've rewatched the first two Nolan movies over the past couple days and the whole premise of Batman Begins is that conquering and controlling and wielding fear in the criminal element so that you know is he a symbol of hope in that he wears a mask and people are like oh there's somebody out there doing something sure but he's not a symbol of hope in the same way that that Superman is where Superman show might show up to something just in broad daylight and help people and talk to people and joke around right that's not Batman I think we all kind of inherently get that. His whole character is about being in the shadows and being the night and investigating and he doesn't come out during the day in a lot of comic stories be you know as Batman because that would ruin the illusion, you know, part of the illusion of the suit and the fear in Gotham is is him in the shadows and you can't really see who or what this guy is exactly. And so the first two-thirds of the movie is really good. It's very much an a investigation. Batman's kind of one step behind the Riddler. He's trying to catch up to him as these various people are being killed. As Batman sort of pieces it together, he tries to get ahead of the Riddler, but he can't quite. And I like that. That was all really good. It's clear that Batman's smart. It's clear that Batman's driven. But it's also clear that Batman's young. And young in the game. And... I don't have a problem with somebody being smarter than, than Batman, that, that's fine. The problem comes that about two, at about 2 hours and 15 minutes into the movie thereabouts because I remember, the Riddler is captured. He gives himself up. And now this whole time the Riddler has hurt nobody but these corrupt people that he's targeting. So obviously what he's doing is not okay, just ran, you know, murdering people even if they've done shady political dealings is, is not all right, but he's targeted, he's focused, and I thought, okay, this is really interesting, because <clears throat> here we're going to get that classic Batman conundrum, where you've got a young, angry Batman, and he hasn't really figured out exactly what he's trying to do, like, yeah, he goes out and beats up criminals, but he hasn't really figured out, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to target all the organized crime, right, he's not saying that, he just goes out and sort of, I mean, he says it, picks cr- crimes at random and, and stops them, but... Brutalizes people, and you get the sense that it's, it's he's trying to get self satisfaction out of it, but he really can't. So I was like, okay, cool. We're gonna have this young Batman. He's going to go up against this guy that's that's bad, and Batman's going to have to kind of get better at explaining and 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 figure out what he's doing and how he distinguishes. Well, what I'm doing is also outside the law, but it's still right, whereas what you're doing to the Riddler for the Riddler, is is wrong. And that has the makings of a great Batman story. Because, as I said, the whole idea that his rogues gallery, most of them, are in some form or fashion, they're flip sides of the same coin as him, that's really a great... I mean, it's a great method of storytelling regardless, but I think in great Batman stories, that is what makes it great. These sympathetic villains who have something in common with Bruce Wayne. And so... I was a little curious when they when they catch the Riddler, and then there's still like an hour left of the movie. I was like, uh, okay, well he he succeeded in his plan. I mean, he's he killed all of the politicians that he wanted to. The only person that he failed to kill is he actually targeted Bruce Wayne because his father was somehow involved with Carmine Falcone, which again is something that I don't necessarily have a problem with. That's been explored in the Batman Hush comic in and one of the other ones is the long halloween maybe um is it the long halloween maybe yeah i think that um there's a yeah the long halloween maybe and and dark victory in those that there's an, an element that maybe bruce's dad helped falcone out at some point giving him surgery or something like that so that was all fine. the problem becomes that At the point that the Riddler is arrested, he... turns into your generic supervillain and completely undermines his own plan. So, you find out then that he's been communicating with all these angry incels, as they call them, on the dark web. And that they're all gonna show up to the new mayor's speech the the following morning or whatever. And... The Riddler's going to... He's got bombs set, so he's going to blow up the seawall of Gotham to flood the city, which, by the way, there's been no mention that there was a seawall up until this point in the movie. Um, That's just kind of a little nitpick, but because of all the other stuff becomes a problem. And when he floods the city, then these guys will show up with rifles and shotguns and they're going to, you know, snipe people in the crowd and politicians and they're going to cause destruction. Okay, it makes no sense. It makes no sense from a character standpoint. He has had a very methodical deliberate plan laying things out leaving clues for batman but it's an interesting idea that he's leaving clues for batman and and the police and stuff because he wants the truth to be out there he wants people to know these guys are getting killed because they're corrupt and even though it's horrible there would be an element maybe when he's confronted by batman that there'd be an element where he'd say look and, and you've seen other batman stories do this um one of my favorite Batman characters is the Red Hood, who's, who's Jason Todd, one of the, the second Robin, after he's killed. At some point, they bring him back, and he becomes the Red Hood. And when he first shows back up in Gotham, he, his goal is, I'm going to take over organized crime, because you can't stop it, but you can control it. And so, I'm going to be a ruthless vigilante, and I'm going to take over these gangs, and, but you know what? They won't deal drugs to kids in schools. They won't, you know, they won't mess with widows and orphans. They'll just keep... And so there's an element when Batman confronts him where you're kind of like, uh, I know Batman's a good guy, but I, I see where this guy's coming from. And I was really hopeful that there would be a similar element with the Riddler's character in this. But they just ruined it for... for and I, I can't really tell why. The movie could have ended at about two and a half hours with him having completed his mission and, um, almost, and being captured, and, uh, you know, the, the there's been growth, and, and maybe Batman has figured out, okay, I need a more organized plan, I need to uh, really focus on, on what I'm doing, and, and instead, they just have this whole, we're gonna have a bunch of crazies show up, and, and shoot up the politicians after we flood the city and it just made no sense. And then what was even worse was they don't just undermine the Riddler, but Batman's fighting some of these guys who are shooting him and now it hurts for some reason because it's the climax of the movie I guess, even though we've seen him take like fully automatic machine gun fire to the suit and you know rush forward even though he's getting peppered with bullets and beat people. And now he gets hit with one brand of buckshot and he's severely injured. And he, he's beating one of these guys and when they take off the mask he's like who are you and the guy says I'm vengeance which is what Batman says earlier in the movie and Batman looks over at him and it's, and it's supposed to be this great moment of oh I see I've sort of I've got to be more than what they're doing but and the idea is there it's there but it just falls flat because it, it isn't well executed you know, when you destroy... It's the equivalent of a lot of people complain about the Marvel movies that they always end with, like, a giant... Or not even Marvel, but a lot of superhero movies. They always end with this giant sky laser or something. Something's coming down. There's an invasion, something. And that's what this felt like. Is like, we can't have it be just a slower-paced, noir movie with some good fight scenes and some interesting philosophical questions. Like, we have to have this big climax. And so after beating these guys, Batman... Uh, cuts this electrical wire that's going to fall into the water, so he stops that, and then he falls into the water, and as he emerges, rebaptized or reborn as Batman, he goes over and he helps the mayor, and he leads people to safety with a flare, and he's medevacking people, and it just doesn't feel like Batman. And I know that's a weird thing to say. I don't know that I think that Batman would not help with, like, natural disasters, but the movie took this turn where it struck me that it's very i don't want to say anti batman but they they wanted him to be something that he's not and so he's not a symbol of hope like i said before in the same way that somebody like superman or uh, is he he is the dark avenger he is the dark knight he targets crime and he stops it and takes it down and the movie basically says in its third act yeah that's not good you can't do that you have to do these other things just to be this symbol of of but that's not batman right it seems to be a total betrayal of batman's character and i got some serious vibes in the third this third act of the movie very anti fighting crime you know well we have to reform everything and hey we we can have those discussions but i think when you're talking about Super villains shooting up large groups of people, innocent people. You know, if they're getting beaten nearly to or even to death, uh, you know, personally, I'm fine with that. I like. It's a weird. It had. It, it actually. It reminded me in some ways of the end of the the Falcon and Winter Soldier show, where these people that the antagonists of that show are are like blowing up buildings full of innocent people, and then people are like, they're terrorists, and Falcon's like, don't call them that, you know. And I'm like, but they are. They're they're terrorists, you know. They. The show really wants you to like those antagonists, even though they're not very likable and they're doing a lot of unlikable and terrible things. And this, the third part of this, the third act of this movie gave me the similar vibes where it's like, you know, Batman's been bad too. And again, there's an argument. Ugh, there's an argument story-wise for that, but they it, it just fell flat. It didn't work. You know, they, they did a similar story arc in the Ben Affleck Daredevil Remember that way back in the day? Not a great movie by any stretch, but that's the sort of, that's the message in that movie, is that he starts off really bitter, really dark, really violent, and he comes to realize that he shouldn't be like that. And you could have done something similar, particularly with a young Batman, where he's like, I gotta draw the line, and I gotta draw the line for my own self-control, but the idea that he's gonna not beat up criminals, because that doesn't have any effect... He's not going to stop crime and, and turn help the police and turn these people over. He's going to, you know, save people in these natural disaster type things. It just felt very out of place. And so, rambling done, um, I think that, they that like again, the first two-thirds of the movie was really good. Both the Riddler and Batman, the character arcs were strong. I was really excited that there was a setup for this classic Batman conundrum where... You know, the I mean, it's cliched, but the Riddler could have been like, you know, we're the same, you and I. We're both going after the corrupt, but I'm doing a better job than you. And Batman would have to be like, well, he kind of is doing a better job than me. I mean, I don't agree with his methods, but he's actually targeting this corruption, whereas I'm just going out and beating up low-level thieves. And, and you know, maybe that still has to be done, too, but maybe I have to get a better plan here. Um, so, would I recommend it? Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't feel angry watching or anything, but I will say it's a three-hour movie, and the last the last hour dragged. It was like as soon as the Riddler got arrested and the story changed in those ways that I'm complaining about, the, I felt the length at that point. The first two hours, I thought, flew by. So you'll have to make your own determinations on that, I guess. Um, or you can just go back and watch the Tim Keaton. No, Tim Keaton. Tim Burton. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Uh, Batman movies which I love or the Christian Bale ones which I also love Uh, and if you're looking for something new and you haven't seen it I highly recommend actually I think my favorite, my all time favorite Batman movie is Batman Mask of the Phantasm which was put out by the team that did the animated series and that is exceptionally good so go check that out if you haven't seen that yet Um, and I think we'll end it there those are my thoughts on the Batman you can let us know on Facebook if you agree, disagree um, follow us on Facebook at The Beggar's Cup. Follow us on follow me on Facebook at uh, the Nick Langan Author page, Facebook backslash Crowns of Hebron. And going to give us a shout-out, of course, to Plus5Charisma yet again. Go and get yourself a T-shirt. And also, uh, another shout-out, kind of unrelated to what we do here, but if you're interested in more serious real-world political things, go ahead and check out on YouTube – uh, or I think they're on podcast platforms as well. The the podcast is Impolite Company, Impolite Company with Scott Wainer. A lot of Texas stuff as well. Uh, if you're down in the Houston area and interested, in, he interviews a lot of politicians and stuff. We've had some interesting conversations about the culture at some point. I want to get him on here, and he wants to get me on his. So we'll talk about the influence of heroes and stories and storytelling and how it relates to society at large. It'll be interesting. But go ahead and check them out and follow them if you're interested in any of that stuff as well. And, um, yeah, uh, check out my books if if you haven't yet. We've got Crowns of Hebron is still available. It's a family-friendly comic book about Saul, Dave, and Jonathan. Five issues, or you can get them all together, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And my first book, Shadow of the Dreamer and Other Oddities, is a novella and collection of short stories about two guys that hunt monsters. I Actually, I'm looking for beta readers as well. If you want to reach out to me on Facebook for the second book in that series, which has an antagonist. One of the antagonists is a leprechaun, if that sways your opinion, because it's hilarious. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for following us and continue to tune in. We uh, we want to go and see the North Man and give that a review because it's Viking Hamlet, which sounds awesome and very in line with what we like. So until next time, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later.